Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the third episode of Darius's Daily Dose. I'm going to be focusing, we have a good amount to talk about. Uh, I'm going to be focusing on the NFL and NBA today. So, let's get right into it. Obviously, what everyone's talking about right now. Cam Newton signs with the Patriots before a one-year deal worth up to 7.5 million. I'm a little surprised of the signing. Definitely a little bit of surprised of the signing. But I think I think not a lot of people are talking about the Patriots uh quarterback situation because they have the rookie they drafted in the late rounds of last year of Instidum. Um and they have Brian Hoyer as well. You know, those guys backed up Tom Brady last year, but you know, no Tom Brady left to go to to go to Tampa Bay so I think I think a lot of people didn't expect the Patriots to sign him because you know it just you know it's just like weird you know you're thinking of Cam and Bill Belichick and uh, their offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels you know how that's gonna work but I definitely it was definitely interesting because I definitely thought a lot of people didn't see this coming and the Patriots were definitely a sleeper team to get Cam Newton. I'm very surprised it took Cam Newton this long to get signed. I definitely saw him getting signed a lot earlier, and even like right when he got released. I was even surprised that they released him by the Panthers. So I was looking into, I was watching some people, you know, debate about whether Cam Newton's the perfect fit. Is he the perfect fit? You know, some people are saying Patriots are now Super Bowl contenders once again. And some people are saying they're still not going to be very good. Now, where I sit on that, I think I, I can agree with both sides. I think the fate of the Patriots definitely is in the is in the um is in the health of Cam Newton's hands. The fate of the Patriots is definitely in Cam Newton's hands. So because it's all going to depend on whether Cam Newton's healthy or not. If Cam Newton is healthy, I think we all know what Cam Newton could do. When Cam Newton was at the peak and when he was healthy, you know, are they going to get 2015 Cam Newton? Are they going to get 2015 MVP Cam Newton? Are they going to get 2018, 2019 Cam Newton who was injured, injured the whole season and didn't produce very well and didn't do very good? If he is healthy and they get 2015 Cam Newton, and we've been seeing all these videos of him working out and everything on, on social media and on Instagram, you know, it seems like he's more motivated than ever. It seems like he's ready. It seems like he's ready to get back on the field. He's always been talking about how the Panthers gave up on him and how they how they treated him and how they let him go, that they, they did him wrong and all these other things. So I definitely think he's more motivated than he's ever been. You know, people's, people seem like they forgot that this man led the Panthers to a Super Bowl, and they just and they just fell to the Broncos. So that that Broncos team was very good. You know, they had Von Miller, who's at the who's at who's at the peak of his career. You got a Hall of Fame Hall of Fame quarterback in Peyton Manning, and all those receivers and their great defense. You know, so it just maybe wasn't the Panthers game. But so yeah, I definitely think it all depends on which Cam Newton will the Patriots get. Will they get 2015 Pam? Like I said, if they get 2015 Cam Newton. Then the Patriots are definitely gonna be a problem. 
because you oh you already have that great defense that they have. Um, even though they lost a few key assets in free agency, they lost Kyle Van Noy in free agency. He was a great run, a great linebacker who could be the possibly the best linebacker in this league pretty soon. But but you still have your main secondary core and Stephon Gilmore and Jason McCourty and all those guys. That secondary is still very strong. But it's, it'll also be very interesting to see how they to see how they use them, because you know Tom Brady and Cam Newton are two very different style of quarterback. Excuse me, two very different style of quarterbacks. Cam Newton likes to run the ball. You know, Cam Newton in twenty fifteen was like our twenty nineteen Lamar. I see a lot of similarities in Lamar and Cam Newton. Except, you know, Cam Newton can throw the ball, can throw the ball a little better than Lamar, even though Lamar is really starting to be able to throw the ball. But it's definitely going to be very interesting to see how they use him because when they had Brady, you know, Brady rarely ever rolled outside the pocket. He was, he, you know, they had, they've had a solid offensive line where Brady could sit in the pocket for three to four seconds and really scan the field. And, you know, that was just how good Brady is. Brady is, he could scan the field in that little bit amount of time and find and find the the receivers and Chris Hogan or Danny Amendola when they had did when they had Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman, you know. So their their offensive style is definitely going to switch if they even plan to use Cam Newton as the starting starting quarterback. Knowing Bill Belichick, you never know what Bill Belichick's going to do. Um, I definitely think they're they're going to have a quarterback battle to see who's going to be the starting quarterback. But is def- are they going to adjust? To where they're are they going to be a heavy run? Are they going to be a heavy run um, type of team? And you still got Sony Michelle and although they're, they're solid running back core, are they going to really rebuild around Cam Newton like the Ravens did with Lamar? Are they really going to adjust their whole offense like the Ravens did with Lamar? So I definitely think this is very interesting. It's definitely interesting. Are they going to are they going to kind of tell Cam like you know you have to adjust your game to our offense? Or are they gonna adjust their offense to Cam Newton? So I think that's a big question whether they're whether Cam Newton's gonna have to adjust their whether Cam Newton's gonna have to adjust his style of play to their offense, or whether their offense is gonna have to adjust to him. I uh, you know you definitely don't really see them being a heavy run offense. Like I said before, it's all gonna depend on what Cam Newton we get and how productive he's going to be. And if he's 100% healthy, you know. So that is that. And that's very interesting. I'm definitely, I'm happy Cam Newton finally got signed. I was really going to be upset if he went into the year and not didn't have a team. I was really pushing, hoping the Steelers would maybe get him. But, you know, the Steelers don't do much when it comes to this stuff. So now switching over to the NBA. We've, I have a lot to talk about there in the NBA. Vince Carter finally retires. Vince Carter finally retires. I think he was in the league for twenty plus years. He was the he was he was the oldest guy in the league until now, but now he has retired. I've seen a lot of people arguing, you know, with him retiring. Is he a is he a Hall of Famer? Is he a Hall of Famer? I think that's very debatable. I mean he's definitely a great you know, he's definitely a great you know, I think more people look at it and see when they see Vince Carter, they see a dunker. 
you know, they don't see like how they don't really see how productive he was in his early years. I looked up some of his career stats. Over his career, he averaged about 16 points a game. In his early years with Toronto, he averaged 18 in his rookie year, 25-27 in his second and third year. That's when, you know, really Vince Carter, Vince Sanity was going on, 24, 20-22-24. So he really started, we really started to see a, a decline in his game in 2010-2011. And even then, he was in the league for 12 years. That that was when he left Toronto. No, that's when he left. Yeah, that's when he left Toronto, I believe. No, that's when he left. He left Orlando. He left Orlando. He had went from Toronto to New Jersey at that time. The Nets. And then he went to Orlando. Then he went to Phoenix for a year. Then he went to Dallas. Then he went to Memphis. Then he went to Sacramento for a year. And he finished his last two years in Atlanta. So do I think Vince Carter is a Hall of Famer? He didn't win a ring, I don't believe. Unless he won that ring with Dallas. So he did. He won a ring. He won a ring with Dallas. Well, I believe that was 2012, 2013, 2011. So I think he won a ring with Dallas. Because he was with Dallas for three years. I believe those were the years when Dallas beat the Heat in the finals. So I think he did get a ring. So he has a ring. That kind of solidifies him a little more. I definitely could, like, like if you say he's a, if you say he's a Hall of Famer, I can understand why you say that. If you don't say he's a Hall of Famer, I can understand why you say that as well. He didn't put up crazy. I mean, he he put up, he averaged twenty seven points a game, which is very good, you know. But he was very inconsistent when it came to scoring. You know, he would score twenty seven one year, score twenty two the next year. Score 24 the next year after that, and then drop all the way down to 15. So, yeah, right when he, and then, you know, it just went down from there. He started averaging 5.8 points a game, 8 points a game, then back down to 5, up to 7, and then back down to 5. Well, obviously, I think, I think Vince started to understand that he couldn't really go on a team and get great minutes like he used to, because, you know, all these teams are really starting to rebuild and all these other things. I think I'd watched the interview as well, and he was talking about it. He was like, I understand where I'm at. I'm not trying to go to a team that can win a ring because I'm obviously not going to, I don't know. He said he basically said he doesn't want to go to a team and just get carried to a ring. You know, he understands what where he is in his career, and the, he understood that the only place that he was really only, only be able to go, only to only be able to find and you know, get a good amount of minutes was that was on a young team. I think a young team definitely could have used him and his wisdom. So that was very good. So, do I think Vince Vince Carter is a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I, I really am. I really am in the middle. Do I think he's the greatest dunker of all time? He's definitely top five. You know, I think a lot of people. I watch a lot of highlights and everything. 
Like, there's a lot of people that are crazy. Uh, the dunking, even though Vince Vince Carter was obviously one of the craziest. You know, Zach Levine, crazy. He's a, he's obviously a great dunker. Um, Dr. J, you know, Julius Irving, back in the day, he was um, he was crazy. You know, back then, especially back then, he was doing stuff that people never saw. You know, Aaron Gordon, he's he's like prime Blake Griffin. When Blake Griffin was in Lob City with Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Matt Barnes, JJ Redick, and when, when it was the Clippers, prime Jake Blake Griffin, he was pretty crazy at dunking as well. Miami LeBron, he was crazy at dunking. Even though LeBron now can still do the windmills and stuff, LeBron was still, you know, you know, when you think of Miami LeBron, you think of his personalizer against JC Terry. So, you know, I, th- I definitely think Vince Carter, I think you can say Vince Carter is the greatest dunker of all time. I think you can say that. That's obviously what he's most known for. So I think you can definitely say that. So now switching over to... I also want to talk about the NBA seeding. The way the NBA is seeded now for the playoffs. I was watching some debates about the seeding. I definitely want to touch on that a little bit. They are talking about, you know, different teams that didn't really deserve to be in the playoffs of now because so so the so the way the NBA is doing it each returning team will play eight seeding games as selected from its remaining regular season matchups to qualify for the playoffs the seven teams in each conference with the highest combined winning percentage that's how you get to the playoffs to earn the eighth seed the eighth seed must be more must be more than eight must be more than four games ahead of the ninth seed in its conference. If not, there'll be a play-in tournament. If the eighth seed is four games or less ahead of the ninth seed in the same conference, they'll play. They will play a little series. The eighth seed must win one game to advance the playoffs, and the ninth seed must win two games to advance the playoffs. So it's kind of like a best of three, I would assume. So if they played, so say it was, for example, in the Eastern Conference, say it was like the the Washington Wizards and the, and the Magic. If the Magic are the eighth seed and the Wizards are the ninth seed and they play, and if the, if the Magic isn't four games ahead of them, then they play. And if the eighth seed, if the Magic would beat the Wizards, then Wizards are done and the Magic advance to the playoffs as the 8th seed but when they play and the Wizards beat them twice then they would go then the Wizards would advance and become the 8th seed and then they would whatever team would win would play the 1 seed of each conference but I was watching first taking their talk about some of these teams don't deserve to be in it I can definitely Definitely agree with that. Like teams like the Suns and teams like the Wizards and teams like the Kings, I definitely don't don't think they deserve to be in it. Cause I believe the Magic are the eighth seed right now, and it's basically almost guaranteed that they're going to be able to get to the playoffs. Because the Wizards, let me just, I'm just taking a peek at the standings right now. The Wizards. The Magic are 30 and 35 at sitting at the 8th seed and the Wizards are 24 and 40 sitting at the 9th seed. They are 
a lot of games back. They are. They're about 20 games behind. Okay, that's that's the first seed, but they're about six. They're they're a good 10 plus games behind the eighth seed, and they're not even playing 10 games in order to be able to get to the playoffs. So even if the Magic lost all their games and the Wizards won all theirs, they would be they would be at about 32 and 40. So okay, so okay, so that maybe that'll be a little drastic. So the only way the Wizards can even make the playoffs is the Magic win or lose all their games, and the Wizards win all theirs. And then we look over at the. Then we, so I definitely don't think. So I think they should have just already had the eight teams. They, I so I think they should have. I understand why they would put the put the twenty-two teams in. Because you know, trying to give the teams who are in the ninth seed or right behind the eighth seed a chance, but just it's just so lopsided with the Eastern Conference, it's really hard for them. So I think the Magic and the Nets are battling over the eighth to seventh seed. Then we go over to the Western Conference. They have a lot of other teams. It's it's a lot closer in the Western Conference, which is why they have more teams. So in the Eastern Conference, you have the Celtics, the Nets, the Pacers, the Heat, the Bucks, the Magic, the 76ers, the Raptors, and the Wizards. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. In the Western Conference, you have the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Suns, the Trailblazers, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Jazz. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen teams. The reason why is because it's so much more closer. It's so much more closer in the Western Conference. The 13th seed in the Suns is 20. They're 26 and 39. The 12th seed you have the Spurs. They're 27 and 36. 11th seed you have the Kings. They're 28 and 36. Pelicans 28 and 36. Trailblazers at the 9th seed 29 and 37. And at the 8th seed you have the Grizzlies, who is 32 and 33. But then the separation gets a little bit more in between the 8th and the 7th seed. That just shows you how good the West is. The 7th seed is 40 and 27. In the Eastern Conference, that team's in the 4th or 5th seed, even the 3rd. The Jazz, no, the Celtics are in the 3rd seed, and they're 43 and 21. The Mavericks are 40 and 27, and they're in the 7th seed. So that just shows you how good the West is. So so it's between the Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Pelicans, and it's been honestly all those teams except for really the Spurs and the Suns could take that eighth eighth seed. So that's gonna be interesting watching that. See how that plays out. That's gonna be very interesting. You got the Lakers. So if 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 it if if what these these seats are is what's the what the playoffs are gonna be. You're going to have the Lakers going against the Grizzlies. You're going to have the Clippers going against the Mavericks. You're going against the Nuggets going against the Rockets. You're going against the Jazz and the Thunder. The Thunder surprised a lot of people. You know, the Thunder thought, people thought the Thunder were going to be, you know, lottery pick, first pick. But, you know, they're actually doing very well. So now I just want to talk about, now to end it all off, I think I'm going to talk about some games that I'm really going to be looking forward to. One game I definitely think, 
definitely gonna look forward to is the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. You know, obviously you got the two front runners for the M for the rookie of the year and John Morant. I personally think John Morant should win. I think he's more deserving. You know, Zion has been hurt most of the year. And I hopefully hope I really hope excuse me. I really hope they don't rob John Moran of the rookie of the year. So I wrote some games down that I really think I'm looking forward to. You have LA versus LA on opening night. And I believe that's on July 30th. Then you have Houston and Dallas on July 31st. You know, you got Russell Westbrook, James Harden against Luka, Luka Magic, you know, the Mavericks and them. Then you got Lakers and Toronto, and that's on August 1st. You know, you got the top top team in the West and the second top team in the East. Possible finals preview, you never know. That's on August 1st. And then the Clippers and the Mavs on August 6th. You know, you got, can, can Luka, can Luka handle his own against Paul George and can he handle his own against Paul George and um, Kawhi? And like, are the Clippers going to show that they're, that the Mavericks are kind of one dimensional and only Luka? You know, it'll be interesting how Luka goes up against whether he'll be guarded by Kawhi or or he'll be guarded by Kawhi or um or Paul George. So that is pretty much it for today's episode. Appreciate y'all listening. Uh, go follow the Instagram if you haven't already. Darius Dose. Once again, that's Darius Dose. I post updates on there whether there'll be a podcast that day or not. I post what time the podcasts are dropping. So. If you want updates on the podcast every day, go follow that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So I appreciate you all listening. I'll catch you all in the next one. Peace.